Okay, we'll fly away in a minute. Man. Doggone it. This was not what I had in mind. All right, we'll try it again here. Thanks for your patience. Um, I do this morning uh, want to lead us in a responsive reading uh, this morning, and it's entitled The Beauty of the Lord. And so you'll need to pay attention. Um, I'll be the reader, obviously, but then there'll be some that men will read, some parts that women will read, and then some parts that all of us will read. So if you would, please stand as we read this together. I'll control it. I got it. All right. We can clear our minds, get back to the matter at hand. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. O God, God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You. It is in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Let's sing his praises.
we're talking about the Psalms. And so ever since then, I kind of took Shannon's challenge and um, I wear hearing aids for those of you who don't know. Um, and so I can put the Bible on in the car and pre press play, which don't do that during church because it really distracts everyone. Um, but I can listen to Psalms. They just read them back to back to back to back. And I can hit one little arrow if there's one that really speaks to me. Um, so I really challenge y'all to start doing that. Maybe not listening to your hearing aids if you don't have them, but um, reading the Psalms, listening to the Psalms. Uh, if you want to turn to Psalms 102, we're going to listen to this song. O Yahweh, hear my prayer, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call, answer me quickly. For my days have vanished in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been stricken like grass, and it is dried up. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread because of the sound of my groaning. My bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a roof. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who ridicule me swear against me, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mixed my drinks with weeping. Because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like an outstretched shadow, and as for me, I dry up like grass. But you, O Yahweh, abide forever, and the remembrance of your name from generation to generation. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to it. For the appointed time has come, for your slaves find pleasure in its stones and show grace to its dust. So the nations will fear the name of Yahweh and all the kings of the earth your glory. For Yahweh has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory. He has turned toward the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come, and a people yet to be created will praise God. For he looked down from his holy height. From heaven, Yahweh gazed upon the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death, to recount the name of Yahweh in Zion and praise his name in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve God, he has afflicted my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. I say, oh, my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. For years are from generation to all generations. Of, you, <clears throat> of old, you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you will remain. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your slaves will dwell securely, and their seed will be established before you.
forward to the children's circle. Good morning. This is such a beautiful sight. You know what I've noticed this morning? Um, this side of the church has more people in it than this side of the church. And almost everybody over here is young. If it weren't for Waylon and Pam and Jack, I think <laughs> this whole side of the church, with the median age of our church is shifting, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. As we share the love of Jesus with the younger generations. I looked around my house, and I found some things that you guys may find around your house. Um, this is shampoo. Do y'all use shampoo? I, it looks like most of you do. Um, here's some uh, a bar of bath soap, and here's some hand sanitizer, and a toothbrush. Do y'all use all these things to get cleaned up? I think so. Here's some comment for the sink. I don't think you clean your body up with this. Here's some mouthwash. All kinds of things that we find around our house to clean the house. Y'all know what this is? A toilet bowl cleaner. You have one at your house? All right. As I looked at all of these things, I thought about the fact that sometimes we think that we have to clean ourselves up before we can come to Christ. But do you know what? That is not the way it works. When you hear God's voice or feel the Holy Spirit inside your heart calling you, Jesus calling you, saying, follow me. You don't have to wait to go home and get cleaned up. You don't have to do anything because you know what? God cleans you up after you come to Jesus. All you have to do is listen when the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and he says, follow me. That's all you have to do, and God will do the rest. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for these beautiful, beautiful children. I thank you for this uh, beautiful church, this body of believers who are here today to worship your holy name. Father, I thank you, Lord, that um, when you call us, you do the work. You come into our hearts, you turn us into a new creature, and then, Father, you set about cleaning us up. And Lord, I just praise you for that, because there's nothing I could ever do to be clean enough to come into your presence. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ, who paid the price, who covers our sin. And Father, when you look down, you see his holy, blameless life. Father, we love you. Amen.
people said. Amen. If you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of John. If you didn't happen to not bring a Bible with you today, you should find a hardback black Bible somewhere around you in the pew. If you'll take that, turn to the back of the Bible. John's in the New Testament. So turn to the back of the Bible, find page 72, and you'll be... John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. That's our text this morning. We're currently in a series called Getting Saved. Prior to that, we were in a series called Getting Lost. And um, I was talking to Brandon and Jared on Friday. And by the time we finish getting lost and getting saved, 21 weeks, we ought to know what, how lost we were, or, or better yet, if you haven't come to Christ how lost you are, and then how glorious God's amazing salvation and grace is. We just sang it, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. So the title of this morning's sermon is Getting Saved, You Must Be Born Again. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 3, verses 1 through eight, and this is God's word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we're indeed grateful for this passage of Scripture, where Jesus pulls no punches, speaking to this devoutly religious man. He tells him, Out of love, you must be born again. We're thankful that our Savior doesn't practice a kind of love that is afraid to share the truth, the truth that may even offend and confuse. For we know that apart from the truth, we shall not be born again. So, Father, we thank you for a Savior 
who is truth and who is life and who gives life. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. There's only been, as far as I know, and this may have been an old article that I looked at. Um, well, I'm, I'm just skip ahead. 1976, I was barely alive. Some of you were around then and probably can speak more about what I'm about to talk about. But in 1976, November of 1976, James Earl Carter, a peanut farmer from Georgia, became the president of the United States. And it was made a big deal of that he was, by his own admission, a born-again Christian. Okay? A born-again Christian. So he uses the words that we find here in John chapter 3. Now, I submit to you, there's no such thing as an unborn-again Christian. Uh, To say it's a born-again Christian, it's like saying white snow. Okay? It's just... it's. A little, it's not, it's true. It's absolutely true. If you're a Christian, you are born again. And so I'm, I think you can see where this morning is headed. Jesus says very plainly in, in verse 8, You must be born again. That's the title of this morning's message. It's the focus of what Jesus is speaking about. And if we are to consider what it means to get saved, you cannot think of getting saved apart from the truth in this scripture. So I say it again. You must be born again. Now you might be thinking, Pastor, I don't really know what you mean by born again. That's a good place to start. So let's let's start there. When we say born again, what we're referring to is this. It's the work of... Of the Holy Spirit in creating spiritual life in a person who is spiritually dead. Let's say that again. When we talk about being born again, it refers to the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a top-down work. It is an outside-in work. Person just does not decide one day, get up out of bed and say, you know what, I think today I want to be born again. And that will become evident in a moment. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not a work of the flesh. And it is a work of the Holy Spirit in creating spiritual life. Spiritual life where there was none. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a couple of places that associate the Spirit and creation together. first one is in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So we see the Spirit at creation. But then David in Psalm 51, after he sinned with Bathsheba, and after he had her husband Uriah killed in battle... David confesses his sins and he says to God, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
God is the only one who can create, and he does not create aside from the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we say it's referring to the born again refers to the work of the Holy Spirit in creating spiritual life in a person who is spiritually dead. Read Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. It says, you were dead, not physically, spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, to say this a different way, and to bring in a new term perhaps you've never used before, but to connect it with what I preached on last week. If we were to say, uh, maybe more in a technical sense, what it means to be born again, we would say it's regeneration through union with Christ. When a person is, has a union with Christ, Christ changes who he is in relationship with. To regenerate simply means to recreate. You see the word uh, or G-E-N-E in, in the word regeneration. That word connects to Genesis, creation. So it's regeneration through the Spirit, through union with Christ. And when you are regenerated, you're still you, but you're a regenerated you. You are more alive than you've ever been up to that point. And so... Re- You think of born again as a union with Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, John Piper helps us to understand what being born again is not. He says here, the new birth is not like the makeup that morticians use to try to make corpses look more like they are alive. The new birth is the creation of spiritual life, not the imitation of life. And that is important. Because you can take makeup and put it on a corpse and give it the appearance of life. But it is truly dead. In order to be saved, you must be born again. Well, this raises the question, why? Why must I be born again? I'm going to give you a number of reasons. And these are in the text. The first one we find in verse 6. Jesus says in answering Nicodemus, his question... Jesus, how, how can a person, when they're old, go back into their mother's womb and be born a second time? That, that doesn't make sense. Jesus tells him, I, I'm not talking about that kind of birth. He's talking about a birth of the Spirit. The reason that we must be born again is because we are born of the flesh. Jesus says in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So there's a contrast Jesus offers to Nicodemus between the flesh and the spirit or spirit. Flesh refers to natural birth. Nicodemus had already been born naturally. What he needed was a supernatural birth, and that could only come through the spirit. Because flesh can only give birth to what is flesh. And as we have been going through um, getting lost, we understand that to be born in the flesh carries with it the corruption that we inherit from Adam. And then we contribute to our own corruption as well. So what is born of flesh is just shot through with radical moral corruption. And Jesus says in verse 3, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, make sure I don't get, okay. 
Nicodemus was a son of Abraham. He was a ruler of the Jews. His birth assured him he was part of the kingdom of God. His training taught him about the kingdom of God. His works prepared him for the coming kingdom of God. But he was also born of the flesh and missed completely what the kingdom was all about. He was anticipating a military, political kingdom, but the king of kings and lord of lords was standing right in front of him and he did not recognize him. There was evidence of the king's kingdom all around him that it had begun to infiltrate this fallen world and he missed it because he was born of the flesh. Why must I be born again? Also because you're condemned. You're condemned. In in verse 5, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To say it another way, unless you are born again, you are condemned already. Unless you are born again, you are condemned already. Why must I be born again? Because you cannot cause your own spiritual birth. Ephesians 2, 1 through 4, Paul talks about you are dead in trespasses and sins. And dead people don't cause their own birth. Babies do not cause their own birth. If we remind ourselves of what Jesus said in verse 6, he said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The flesh cannot give birth to the Spirit. That's why you must be born again. Listen to John Murray. He says, It is God who calls, but it is not God who answers the call. It is the person to whom the call is addressed. And this response must enlist the exercise of the heart and mind and will of the person concerned. It is at this point that we are compelled to ask the question, how can a person who is dead in trespasses and sins, whose mind is enmity against God, and who cannot do that which is well-pleasing to God, answer a call to the fellowship of Christ? It's a good question, is it not? God purposed and planned salvation. Christ became incarnate and lived a perfectly obedient life. He suffered on the cross and He paid the price of redemption. His death propitiated or satisfied God's wrath. His death secured a perfect righteousness. His death opened the way to be adopted into God's family. His death is the way to reconciliation with God. His death is the way to union with Christ God accomplished all of this in Christ for those who are dead in their trespasses and sin. But those who are dead in their trespasses and sins are cut off from all that God has done in Christ for salvation because being dead in trespasses and sin, they cannot answer God's call to the fellowship of of Christ. Nicodemus didn't even realize he was cut off from salvation. He said in verse 4, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He didn't understand what Jesus was saying about his necessity, that he must be born again. And he was cut off from salvation. Why didn't he realize this? Paul explains, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
Nicodemus, if you were to think about his approach to religion, think of it as a, a car with a driver. Nicodemus is sitting in the car, and he's the driver. And he says, but Jesus, I've, I've passed my driver's exam. I passed my driving test. My car works really, really well. I'm a great driver. But he can't see out of the windshield. And he does not understand. He's about to have a head-on collision with a semi. See, Nicodemus had the right birth, the right religion, and the right works according to that religion. But he was still a natural person. Born again was folly to him. He wasn't able to understand it because it was spiritually discerned and he was spiritually dead. He couldn't see through the windshield. That's why in verse 7 he marvels at what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, don't marvel at this. He says later on, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? Why must I be born again? Because you cannot be saved apart from it. Plain truth. Unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. You will not be saved. Jesus says in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How am I born again? This text answers that as well. We're born from above. Now, you may think, Pastor, the word above is nowhere in there. It is because John loves word plays. There's a word play here. The word again can mean again, but it also means above. And it is as if John wants the person to, who's hearing this read in the Greek to go, does he mean again or above? Again or above? Maybe it's both. I must be born again, and I must be born again from above. But not only is it from above, it's by the Spirit. Notice Jesus says, verse 5, Unless one is born of, the wa- of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, he mentions the Spirit as well. Verse, se- verse 8, he mentions the Spirit as well. How are you born again? You're born again from above by the Holy Spirit. It is a work of the Spirit. But I need to make something very, very clear. It is not by baptism. You're born again of the Spirit. Now, you might say, but Jesus, I'm sorry, Pastor, I am not Jesus, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, you might say, but, but Pastor, verse 5, look, it says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yes, it does. I'll address that in just a moment, but continue to look at the text. If it had been truly important for Jesus to indicate that one must be born of water and assume baptism and the Spirit, and those are uh, simultaneous things that happen, you're baptized, and at that time you're regenerated and you're saved, you would think that he would have carried that on. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit and water is spirit. And he says in verse 8, So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, not of and the Spirit and the water. You would think that if Jesus felt it was so important to help people understand, it, it happens only at the time of your baptism. 
You're baptized in water and the Spirit at that moment, and then you are saved. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is referring to, alluding to, an Old Testament scripture. It's Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27. And notice what it says here. God is speaking through Ezekiel to his people. And he says about what he is going to do in them. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And notice what the purpose of that water is. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. The water that Jesus is referring to here is... Now, God wasn't going to sprinkle water on his people. God is spirit, does not have a body like us. So he's, he's talking about water in a metaphorical way. What he's saying is, just like water cleans you, I'm going to clean you. And then he says, continuing, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Water cleanses from sin and uncleanness. The Spirit gives a new heart that desires to please and obey God. Without the uncleanness, you have no desire. With the uncleanness, without being cleansed from it, you have no desire to please and obey God. And you may be cleansed from your sin and uncleanness, but without a new heart, you do not desire to please and obey God. This is why Jesus says, water and spirit. He's saying, you must be clean and you must be remade from the inside out. How am I born again? Finally, through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. A few scriptures. James 1.18. He says, Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth. The, the new birth will not happen apart from the Word of truth. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creature of his own will he caused us to be born again he brought us forth by the word of truth the truth of the gospel from the scriptures Peter says in chapter 1 verse 23 since you have been born again not of perishable seed not of the flesh but of imperishable of the spirit through the living and abiding word of God How do I know I've been born again? Isn't that a good question? That is a great question that we all should ask ourselves. How do I know I've been born again? Well, Jesus teaches here, you see the effects of the Spirit in your life. Look at verse 8 again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. You notice that? He says, the wind blows, but there's an effect. You hear its sound. When the wind blows, it produces effects. You hear noise. There's a, there, things move. It chops up the lake so you can't take your boat out. But you see the effects of the Spirit in your life. A.W. Pink. Talking about how the wind blows, the Spirit. Again, verse 8, when you hear wind, when you read wind, there's, it's, it's the word panuma. It can be translated wind or spirit. There's another word play here. So when John uh, writes this in Greek and people hear it read in Greek, they go, does he mean uh, wind or spirit? Wind or spirit? And, and it helps make the connection of how the spirit moves. And, and I think A.W. Pink helps us to understand too about the wind, the spirit. 
Sometimes the wind moves so softly it scarcely rustles a leaf. At other times it blows so loudly that its roar can be heard from miles away. So it is in the matter of the new birth. With some, the Holy Spirit works so gently his work is imperceptible to onlookers. With others, his action is so powerful, so radical, revolutionary. His operations are obvious to many. Sometimes the wind is only local in its reach. At other times, it is widespread in its scope. So it is with the Spirit. Today He acts on one or two souls. Tomorrow He may, as at Pentecost, prick the heart of a whole multitude. But whether He works on few or on many, He consults not man. He acts as He pleases. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Whether the effects are dramatic and easy to see or nearly imperceptible, there is always evidence of the movement of the Spirit in a person's life. So, what are some of the effects of the wind? What are some of the evidence of the Spirit's presence in a person's life? A person who is born again. Well, you begin to do things after you were born again that you were not doing, were not able to do when you were spiritually dead. First John helps us out here. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Before, dead in trespasses and sins and unable to practice righteousness. After, When you're born again, you're able to practice righteousness. 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Before, when you're dead in trespasses and sins, you couldn't keep from sinning. After you were born again, you cannot keep on sinning because God's seed abides in you, and you no longer make a practice of sinning. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Before, when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you were unable to love others well, but after you were born again, you are now able to love others well. 1 John 5, 4, For everyone who has been born again overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Before, when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you were unable to overcome the world. You were going to go down with the ship when this earth is destroyed. But after you're born again, you're now able to overcome the world and its temptations. And finally, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Before, when you were dead... In your trespasses and sins, you were unable to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Not with the type of belief that is necessary for salvation, but after you were born again, you were able to believe unto salvation that Jesus is the Christ. Before, when you were in dead in trespasses and sins, you were unable to love the Father. But after you are born again, you are able to love the Father. And not only the Father, you demonstrate your love for the Father by loving those who love Him. 
How do I know that I've been born again? There's evidence. John points his readers to the evidence. If if you've been born again, you overcome the world. You practice righteousness. You don't keep on sinning. You love the brothers. You love God. And if you've been born again, you believe. This morning, I believe this with all of my heart. All of my heart. There are three kinds of people here. One kind of person, I think this describes you. You know you're not saved. You're not born again. You know. Some of you are like Nicodemus. You think you're born again. You think you're saved, but you haven't been born again. Maybe like Nicodemus, you're thinking, my car's in good shape. I know how to drive. Passed my driving tests. Passed my driving exam. I, I mean, I'm, but you just don't see through the windshield that one day you will have a date with the judge, the creator of heaven and the earth. And when you can see through the windshield at that point, you will recognize that God exhibited such grace to you while you were alive. Helped you to understand your need for Him. But now, having stood before the judge, there's nothing to keep His judgment from falling on you. And then there are some, you know, beyond all shadow of a doubt, you're saved. You, you see the movement of the Spirit in your life. If you're in those first two groups, I would just want to remind, I, I want to say this to you. You know you're not saved, or you think you're believed, but where's the evidence of the Spirit in your life? To where, perhaps, maybe Brother Shannon, I've just I've just believed some things, but I'm not born again. In Ezekiel 37, <clears throat> Ezekiel describes this. He said, "The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones." And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall Do you know why I can step out of the the pulpit every Sunday with confidence? Is that apart from the preaching of the gospel, life will not, spiritual life will not happen. And it's not me who, who brings it, it's God who brings it. When these bones were raised to life in Ezekiel, it wasn't because Ezekiel did something, it's because God did something. But God didn't do something apart from the word. And so I have preached all I know to say about this this morning. But I will close with this. If you have not been born again, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You must be born again. Let's pray. Father, you could have left us in our sin with no hope. But you sent an obedient Savior, a perfect Savior, who willingly laid down His life that we might have life. 
Lord, if there are any here this morning that don't know you as Savior and Lord and suddenly they, they know something is different. It's not just that I understand this cognitively. I just don't understand it with my brain. There's something in my, my heart and my brain have gotten together and, and it, th- this is real. I feel it. It's real. That they would come forward today and say, Church, I feel like I've been born again, just like what, what Jesus talks about. I pray today would be that day. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing the song, Worthy, You Are Worthy. If you need to come make a decision this morning, now's the time as we sing together. prayer updates this morning. Um, I know Larry's home. Glad to have Larry home. Uh, Still on some oxygen. Glad to have uh, John and MC and Eddie back from their COVID vacation. I know that COVID kind of made a little round here and and, uh, God was good and brought us all through it, so we're grateful for that. Um, Are there any other... I know we need to be praying for Sally, Roddy's cousin Sally is near death. She's at a nursing home in Lano, so pray for Sally. Uh, pray for, for Roddy and Barbara as well. Are there any other prayer updates or prayer requests you might have this morning? All right, well, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer, say the Great Commission, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we again, uh, we are grateful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that He's not only uh, powerful enough to save our soul, He's also powerful enough to touch bodies, physical bodies, bring health and healing where there is not. He's also powerful enough uh, to walk with those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're grateful that those who are in Him, when they pass through that valley, they wake up finding on the other side, they're still holding the hand of their Savior. And we praise you for that. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 